Welcome to The Bookie Corner, a podcast about the books I read and what I have to say about them. My name is Carolina, I am your hostess, and I love books, but more than that, I love talking about what I've been reading. This book review contains spoilers, so it is for those who have already read the book or those who still really want to listen anyway. Thanks for joining me. Let's get right into it. back to the Wookie Corner. It's Carolina and today I wanted to review Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. So I already recorded an episode that has no spoilers. So this is going to be a little bit more repetitive. If you listen to that one first, this one is going to still have a little blurb about the authors and also the synopsis and I'm going to go through some of the things but I'm going to have a little bit more detail as far as two things that I really liked and One thing that I am doing a little bit differently here is that I'm going to have a little bit more of a structure as far as the podcast goes. So like every episode right now, as it is, is a little bit aimless in the way that I talk about the books. I kind of sit down in front of my mic and I just say what I have to say about it, you know. Um, But now I want to do something a little bit differently. So I created a script and I took very extensive notes and uh, just things that I really wanted to talk about. And also I came up with a grading system for every book. So you know how on Goodreads and Amazon and stuff, you can go and you can rate things and review them. You can give them from one to five stars. I want to do that, but I want to do like a 10 star type of uh, grading system for every book that I read because I feel like it just makes it more fair. It makes me feel like I'm actually doing, I I don't know, I I guess it just makes a lot of sense to me to do it that way. How I'm going to do it is that I'm going to divide it in five different sections and that is plot, characters, dialogue, setting, and point of view. Uh, Each one of those is going to be two points and I will dock like a half a point or maybe a quarter of a point here and there depending on whether I like something and I didn't like other things. So you know how grading works. So that's kind of how I'm going to do it. Also, another thing that I really want to do is that I want to give kind of a general reaction that I had as I as I began reading the book and then my final reaction when I finished it. Because sometimes we start reading a book and we like it a lot in the beginning and then our opinion changes at the end. And I want to record that. And it's the same the other way. Like we don't really like it in the beginning. We're like, I don't know where this is going. And then toward the end, you're like, I love this so much. Um, This happens to me all the time with books. So I wanted to record both of those reactions just to see how my opinion of the book changed or if it did, because sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I love it from the beginning all the way until the end. And sometimes I don't like it from the beginning all the way until the end. Let me know how you like that. So if that is a format that you feel like is working, just let me know. Send me a message. Um, I welcome constructive criticism and feedback because I want to make this really good and I want to make this something that I can enjoy uh, making and that you guys can enjoy listening to. All right, so jumping right into Good Omens. First of all, I wanted to talk about the authors a little bit. Good Omens was written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Terry Pratchett was born in England in 1948. He was the author of fantasy novels, especially of the funny variety. He is best known for his Discworld series, which has 41 novels, but he published his first novel, The Carpet People, in 1971. The Color of Magic was his first Discworld novel and was published in 1983. He wrote about two books per year after that. He died in his home in 2015 after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's. The final Discworld novel, The Shepherd's Crown, was published five months after he passed away. Neil Gaiman was born in the UK in 1960. He was 
He has written short fiction, novels, comic books, films, nonfiction, theater, and graphic novels. He wrote his first book, a biography about the band Duran Duran in 1984, and it sold really quickly despite him thinking that he had done a really bad job at it. After that, he wrote Don't Panic, the official hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy companion. And after that, he wrote the opening of what later became his collaboration with Terry Pratchett, Good Omens. It became his first published novel. He has also written bestsellers Stardust, which was adapted into a movie, Anansi Boys, American Gods, and Norse Mythology, among many, many others. American Gods was adapted into a stars show, Neil Leaves in Minnesota. Also, something to know is that Good Omens uh, was also adapted into a show on Amazon Prime, and it'll be released on May 31st of 2019. The synopsis of Good Omen reads, According to the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which, the world's only completely accurate book of prophecies written in 1655 before she exploded, the world will end on a Saturday. Next Saturday, in fact, just before dinner. So the armies of good and evil are amassing, Atlantis is rising, frogs are falling, tempers are flaring. Everything appears to be going according to divine plan, except a somewhat fussy angel and a fast-living demon, both of whom have lived amongst Earth's mortals since the beginning and have grown rather fond of the lifestyle, are not actually looking forward to the coming rapture, and someone seems to have misplaced the Antichrist. All right. So my first reaction was that I was immediately taken with the opening of the book. I thought it was really funny. So the fact that it is so humorous immediately sucked me in. I think the fact that the language is so simple is what makes it what it is. It doesn't go too over the top. But at the same time, it's like it's like nothing you've ever read before. It's really cool. Just like that balance between really funny and like simple language. I think it's what makes it what it is. I love the idea of breaking the fourth wall because some of the book jumps into second person point of view, which is uncommon in fiction. And I found that I really liked it. Some books do not do this well. This book does it really well. The Night Circus also did the the breaking of the fourth wall really, really well. And I really enjoyed it. But there are other books that have done that, that I'm like, why are you doing that? Don't do it, please. My final reaction when I finished reading the book was that it literally became one of my favorite books. Honestly, about halfway through, I was like, this is honestly one of my favorite books now. Um, I knew I was going to love whatever happened in it because I'm a fan of funny, of just a really funny, well-written book. When I started reading, I went, in with really high expectations. So if you listen to the non-spoilery review, you will know that that I went in with such high expectations because everybody that saw me with that book in my hands was like, oh my gosh, that is the best book I've ever read. And they built it up in such a way that then I just built up this crazy amount of just, I, I needed it to be the best thing ever, right? Like it was so high, my expectation on how good this book needed to be, that when I opened it, I was actually nervous because I was like, I wonder if like the fact that I have such high expectations for it is going to ruin the reading experience for me. Not even, it delivered in every single way possible. Um, A friend of mine who's an avid reader, and she tends to like a lot of the same things that I like, told me that this was definitely one of her favorites and that she reads the opening sometimes just because she wants to, because she loves that opening so much. And I can't, I know why, because I, since I finished reading it a few weeks ago, I've done that like three times at this point. It is that good. I honestly cannot say enough good things about it. Now I want to jump into the character. So Crowley 
whose name at the beginning was Crawley because he was the snake that made things happen in the Garden of Eden. Um, he has a great voice and personality. I love how passionate he is about keeping the earth as it is. And I especially really like that he was really organized and clean. His apartment was perfect. Like it was so good. You do not expect that from a demon, but it's pretty awesome. It's just like really cool contrast of like, oh, look, he's the evil one, but he's doing a lot of really good things. So I like that a lot. I, I also loved how much he loved his car and he took really good care of his car. Um, and how confused he was about popular music. He constantly plays Queen and thinks it's other artists. At one time, even confusing it with Mozart, which was just so funny. I laughed out loud. Aziraphale is the angel. Uh, his voice is also really good and very distinct. He seems like, at first, you'll think that he's weaker than Crowley is, but he's not really. Like, he's just soft-spoken. He is such a major player. And I love how he pretends not to like Crowley as much because they're so innately different. But he does care about him very much. They have been friends since the beginning of time, even though Aziraphale likes to think that they aren't. And I like that. I really love that. I, I love those kinds of relationships with one of them is kind of like, eh, about it. And the other was like, you love me. Are you kidding me? And it, it just made a really great dynamic between the two of them. Um, Even the horse. Okay. So the four horsemen, they were really enjoyable. Even though I knew that they were bad from the beginning, like their characters are so fleshed out so quickly that I couldn't help it, but look forward to reading chapters that included them. So they were so enjoyable. They were, it was a very clever use of the four horsemen too. There were little things like the fact that pestilence retired when penicillin was discovered and then was replaced by pollution. And it made me laugh so hard, I nearly cried. And I was outside of class waiting to go into my first class of the day at like nine in the morning one morning. And I laughed so hard that people turned around and looked to see what was going on because I was just cackling with laughter because I just thought that was so funny. Um, as far as Adam and his friends, Adam is the Antichrist. Um, of course, I mean, you know that because you're here because you have read this book already. Um, and Adam and his friends are a great addition to the story. I feel like it wouldn't have been the same story had Adam not had a point of view. A lot of people complain about that because they're like, well, why do we have a point of view on the kids? But Adam is the Antichrist. Like he's literally the Antichrist. He's the bringer of like the end of the world and the apocalypse. And him not having a point of view would have made the story different because you have to see what he's thinking to be able to know what's going to happen. Uh, I also got this distinct idea that him and his friends directly mirrored the four horsemen. Tell me if you think the same, because I keep thinking about that. Uh, then there's Anathema Newton, also pretty great and an awesome addition to the story. I like the little romance bits and the fact that when everything ended, they were still together and just didn't quite recall how they were. And Anathema knowing everything that was going to happen, but not knowing the precise order in which things were going to happen and like the magnitude of what was going to happen because it turns out that um, Agnes Nutter's uh, predictions were accurate but sometimes they had really nothing to do with the end of the world and that was just so funny. All right so the setting it is set in England in the 90s. Uh, every description of place, weather, and all that stuff was really good. And it was really well done. It wasn't too subtle where you didn't know what was going on. But it wasn't overdone as in like there's too much description. There are some books that go way too in depth as far as descriptions go. And I don't like that. I'm like, just give me a nice, succinct kind of description. Just concise, you know. But 
with vivid imagery and I'm good. But if you give me way too much, I get lost right away and I'm like skimming and skipping until I get to the good stuff. With this book, I didn't have to do that. All right, so now as far as the plot. So the opening, like I mentioned, the opening is just sublime. It's so good. It begins where our two main characters are in the Garden of Eden right after Adam and Eve are cast out. So this is when Crowley, who was then called Crawley because he was a snake, asks Aziraphale where his flaming sword is and Aziraphale confesses sheepishly that he gave it to Adam and Eve because they look like they could use it out there and because they look like they were really cold. And <laughs> that was funny because it's like you gave your flaming sword to these two people that were just cast out of the Garden of Eden for not following directions. <laughs> and it just, it just, it tickled me immensely. So then it jumps straight into the talking about how people contend about the age of the earth and how they're all wrong and how the earth is a Libra, which is just crazy. This book is worth buying for that alone, just for that opening. I think uh, the fact that Crowley and Aziraphale tried to stop the apocalypse by teaching the Antichrist how to be good, only to find out that they had the wrong kid all along, is the funniest thing I've ever read, like have read in a while. Because they they bring the like they try to switch the baby out to like a satanic with satanic nuns, and they end up misplacing the baby, and like there's this weird switch that happens, and like. As a reader, you're like, oh my gosh, I got that. Like, you get the idea that the switch of the babies kind of happened wrong. Like, they didn't they didn't know what they were doing. Like, they didn't realize that something had gone on where they probably had the wrong kid. But the narrator breaks the fourth wall at one point and tells you that you were, got it right all along. And the, I just thought that was really clever. There are lines like, for example... Quote, it may help to understand human affairs to be clear that most of the great triumphs and tragedies of history are caused not by people being fundamentally good or fundamentally bad, but by people being fundamentally people. Lines like that make this book just so profound and at the same time that it's just absolutely absurd and ridiculous, it really makes a commentary and has very insightful things to say about human nature. And I found that just so cool because it was like that serious little bit where you can be like, wow, that is so true. Like th these things are so true that make this book just so much deeper than what you think in the beginning. There are plenty of quotes like that in the novel. I have a lot of them uh, underlined in my book, but I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to let you discover those on your own because I feel like that's just, it's just better. It's a better experience to go back and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, like look at all of these really cool things that it says here. As far as the language goes, again, the book is funny. I mean, you know that things are going to be good when the copyright page says at the top, quote, caveat, bringing about Armageddon can be dangerous. Do not attempt in your own home close quote and where the dedication is the authors joining one of the main characters a demon so they're joining Crawley in dedicating the book to G.K. Chesterton if that's not one of the funniest thing you've ever heard I don't know what I could do for you honestly like I, I don't know what I could do because that's just hilarious to me um anyway so as far honestly guys guys hear me out I gave this book a 10 out of 10 it got a two for plot, a two for character, two for dialogue, two for setting, and a two for point of view. I feel like the point of view was good. I feel like everything was just, it was on point, man. Like, I just could not find any faults in it. I never got bored. I flew through this book. It's so crazy how fast I read this, especially given the fact that I read it while I was going through midterms at school. 
and I was really busy. And I am honestly really busy even when I'm not in midterms because I go to school full time. We're talking 15 credits every semester and that is a lot. Anyway, so this is all I'm going to say about this book, you guys. So let me know what you think. Did you love it? Like, did you like this book? Please tell me that you did. Even if you didn't, tell me what you didn't like about it. I would love to hear what you have to say about it. I am the bookie corner on social media stuff. Like you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram and stuff. I don't do a whole lot in any of those, but it's mostly because the podcast is still a little small, so I don't have a huge following, but it, that's not a big deal. If you want to talk to me, I am here for you. And uh, that's where I'm going to end this one today. Uh, thank you so much for joining and I will talk to you next time. Bye. This episode of The Bookie Corner was recorded, edited, and produced by Carolina Castle. If you like what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell your bookie friends about it. Follow me on social media. I am The Bookie Corner on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for joining me today, and I will talk to you next time.